Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston Proper, you are live from the path. And you're listening to Live from the Path. We're coming to you from the Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. Hey. You ever feel like you're an actual moron? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was reading a book today uh-huh. by N.T. Wright, and he had all these uh, really eloquent words about Jesus. Uh, the book is called Simply Jesus. And uh, I thought to myself, in a million years, I couldn't come up with this string of sentences this fella has thought up uh, and I felt like a real doofus yep. but at the same time I think I've said this on the show before uh, the hubris the hubris of writing books yeah yeah I it, don't understand your position is your position <laughs> that no one should write books yes how will I do but also <laughs> but also in the same in the same token uh, I couldn't do it because I'm I'm so dumb. <laughs> oh. So, uh, but but it shouldn't matter to you because books shouldn't be written anyway. You read an awful lot for a guy who is against book writing. I know. I ju- I I don't know. I tried I tried picking up some old books like uh, I started reading Meditations by by Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll get back to the 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 begin. I mean, obviously, it's not the beginning of books, but uh, you know. It's old. You're a real conundrum, Nathaniel. I know. I said, you know, people don't know how to write anything original these days. I'll go back to a Roman emperor. And then it was too difficult to read. So I picked up N.T. Wright because it's easy to read. And it soothed my soul. Anyways, all this to say is uh, I came to a crisis today, guys. And it turns out I'm a real dum-dum. That's, that's the resolution of the crisis. Yeah. Now, hold on. To, to Nathaniel's point... Uh, do you think that the amount of words that are that have been used to try to describe Jesus or our faith or Christianity in general, how much of it do you think is because you're trying to describe such a thing that human language can't attain it, and so a lot of words have to be spilled, or it's a large amount of gas bagging? Oh, I think there's a large amount of gas bagging, but I think the first thing is also true. I and and I think you can tell by the amount of Christian uh, uh, literature and books and, and publications that like um, we will not be satiated with it. Like you're not going to read enough stuff about Jesus where you go, okay, I think I finally, I think I finally got this. I can't take any more in. So I, the problem is, is if you're if you're a, a moron like Nathaniel and I, then you think to yourself, man, because people will ask a question, or you think if I had to just explain who Jesus is or who God is or who they are in comparison to those two. And like extremely smart dudes have spilled four to 500 pages on minute details of a very small bit of that. Like (laughs) how is it possible like that you're going to go in and, and just overview it with your limited moron type ways? Think of how easy these concepts are though. Like, like the base nature of who Jesus is and what he did is like two sentences worth of stuff. 
Now, it, it also can take up a billion books within a lifetime trying to describe, to understand the depth of, to like get the full picture of, to see how it applies to your life too. But like, uh, it's both of those things. I find scripture to be that in general. Like, you can read, you can read First Timothy and, and take a couple basic things from it and go, yeah, okay, I totally get this. The guy that came to it for the first time can walk away with something of value. And then a guy who read it for the 60th time is still walking away with something of value. And so I, I think that's it's the nature of uh, uh, it's it's the nature of scripture, and I, I do think it actually would that record would play itself out if it weren't uh, if it weren't for the reality of the uh, of the underlying truths that were there. Sometimes I feel like I was leaning on the gas bag part of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> mostly because like I feel I I know there's a there's that that we need hands and feet. We need thinkers. We need philosophizers, people that can, that can you give us a, a, a phrase or a thought pattern that really helps us dive deep into understanding who God is. And then we seem to have an awful lot of those, but we don't have, it seems, enough, enough workers for the field, right? Like we, it seems like we're, we're overflowing with gas baggers and low on the hands dirty type of folks. I think that's certainly true from a Western perspective. I think we got under the impression kind of post-enlightenment that says, uh, until we know all, we shouldn't do any, lest we move out uh, and mistakenly. Like, uh, I think th- this is what I really enjoy about people who, like, um, first come to faith. People, they get super excited. Uh, a lot of them uh, have, have, in fact, I've met numerous people like this. They came to faith, and they have a really cockeyed view of what I would of revelation or something, right? But like they're the most enthusiastic dudes and pe- people are coming to know Jesus through their straight out enthusiasm, even though I think their theologies are cranked on the end of it. Uh, because they didn't flick out and go, this is good news. Let me make sure I've got it just so perfect so that I can take it to the streets before someone asks me a question. So, but doesn't this go back to our discussion from last week when we were talking about, you know, looking for false teaching or false teachers yeah. Right, like a new believer goes out, and like there's there's bits of theology they're just going to not quite have the right end of the stick about, but they're willing to tell anybody and everybody about the saving grace of their Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? And so like, uh, like when I watch people who are accused of false teaching, where I I think there was there was a good discussion about it, but like on the other hand, they're at least out there trying to tell people about who Jesus is, and you're sitting in the back seats. You know, critiquing what they're saying. I think that was some of Dan's point, which is like how, how these people are going about doing things is better than your not doing anything. I don't. Th- I think that's not entirely true because, like, if you're directly misleading people, um, but I think the notion of, of identifying again, remember the definition of of what to do or how to identify false teaching. It's who's being elevated. The new believer is not elevating themselves; they're mm-hmm. elevating Jesus. The guys who are who are the most dangerous of false teachers are the people that are elevating, well, let's just go with humanity in general, um, themselves or, hum- or the other side of the humans or self-empowerment or something like that. Things that are otherwise elevating humanity versus elevating God are probably the things that I'd be most concerned about. I'm not concerned about, like, everyone's got some theology. Like, I've got, I've got wrong theology somewhere. I just don't, like, if I knew what it was, I would change it. I don't know what it is. I'm sure I'll continue to read and pray and study, and I'll figure it out, and it will change how I speak about things 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Um, so, like, I mean, everybody's a false teacher to a certain extent, whether it's ignorance or whatever. Don't you find it, don't you find it odd that, like, some of the pastor fellas, like, knowing that this would be a, a stumbling block for other people, like, don't go out of their way to make sure that they 
live in a very uh, reasonable house. Drive a very reasonable car, right? Don't have a, a, like so and so ministries taking a tax shelter. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like if you were if you were worried about people stumbling on stuff like that, wouldn't you go out of your way to make sure that people could not turn around and accuse you of that? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Although, I mean, maybe it just the the uh, braggadociousness, um, the sheer boldness to otherwise elevate yourself in front of other people. Like um, that level of confidence is necessary to fool them, because like I mean, think of how many people you've looked at and you're like, oh, I can't even believe these guys are making dime one, uh, but they are, and so it's obviously working. Maybe, like, is it is it is it for a lack of caution? Because people don't aren't willing to do a sniff test. I guess I mean, wasn't that thing that people always said about Billy Graham is like for all the things he did and all the revivals he did and blah 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 blah, the guy stayed in the same house he'd always lived in. You know, and, and basically had the same setup for his whole life. Yeah. Like, never bought a bigger house, never never bought a, a nice car, just stuck with what he had. I heard tale, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard tale one time that somebody saw Billy Graham walking out of one of his uh, crusades with, uh, you know, the offering that was taken that night or whatever. And so it was on the newspaper the next day, Billy Graham, you know, blah, 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 this big scandal. He's taking your money. That's what he's doing with these crusades. And then after that, Billy Graham was never, uh, ne- never touched a, a dime, like physically, in the public eye of, from any of his crusades. See, that's at least wisdom. I, I, agreed. Agreed. I, 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 I guess maybe that was the point. It's like, um, <laughs> I mean, I, we already had this discussion, but I was, I was just thinking about it. That like, if I, it's, the same, it's the Mike Pence thing, right? Like, I, it's the same reason I don't give I don't, I don't give rides home to kids from the youth group, right? I, I don't I don't give teenage girls rides home because I don't want it ever to be ever a thing. And so, like, if you knew there was something that was worth protecting, wouldn't you just go out of your way to protect it, even if people were were wrong, right? Even if the thing you were if, if Billy Graham never stole your money, right? But if if other people think that he did, he goes, well, I can help that. I just won't ever touch money. I will protect this. Because it's important, and I will make sure that none of that money ends up buying me something outside of a regular living man's means. Hmm. But that's not the story that you generally see from a lot of the the larger church pastors. Actually, yeah, that's not the story for most of humanity. Think of take that on a uh, same principle and apply it back to your own life, and say, if it was if something is worth protecting, why wouldn't I take every step to do so? And then think about any time that you've allowed some level of risk into your life, hanging out with, spending time with the wrong, like uh, p- negative influences, um, taking in um, uh, media that you know is not good for you, news, uh, whatever, whatever the things are that are, that are tempting, um, indulging in a political discussion that you know is not productive, <laughs> um, spending time ruminating on how best to take uh, revenge against an enemy, like whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, Think of how many things, how, how, how great of things that you could look at your life and say that you have and how they should be protected. And then at least in certain parts of your lives, perhaps how nonchalant you are at protecting them. Yeah, I suppose there's a risk reward there, right? It's like some risk is saying that like, do I have to expose myself to X, but I can't actually go out and preach the gospel to people if I don't am not exposed to X. Right? That's different than... Yes, that's different. You know what I'm saying? But the, like, they're, the, like if, having... Having a nicer house, you didn't, you weren't at risk with the less nice house. 
No, yeah, I think the point is to say that like, um, why why do, why don't some of these folks um, because of what they the the thing that they have is so great the influence they have is so great um, they can actually do good in the world why aren't they more cautious in protecting it um, you could I, the point is you can ask the same thing about your own purity the state of your marriage um, the other how you spend your time all kinds of things where like there is a risk to the things that you're doing and we don't sometimes don't even take basic steps to protect it. Oh, and so it's a very human thing to to look at it and assume that things are stable and uh, familiar and, and and are going to stay as they are without having to go to extra means to protect when we probably should have. Well, I feel like that's very convicting, actually. It was it's aimed at Nathaniel, but I'm glad you got. I'm in agreement. Okay. I'm also convicted. <laughs> yeah, I'm both now a doofus and convicted. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: it's pretty easy to give Osteen the old finger wag, and then I go, I mean. Of all the things that I say that are important to me, did I allow a bunch of risk in? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's right, exactly. That's the thought, and the answer is yes. I, if, I mean, think about um, money or time or ex- again exposure to um, even even like um, the types of like for me, for example, it's just the types of news that I read. I read a lot of news, and like some of it's just gar- like I don't need to know, like BuzzFeed garbage. Yeah, like why do I even care about this? Or so and so is. Uh, like broke up with so and like what do I care? This means this is nothing to me. There's no no difference at all. Why do I even need to take it in? Mm. Uh, You've got to see what this '90s star looks like now. Sometimes I want to know. I do want to know, <laughs> but I need to not want to know. Like that needs to change. There's no reason to scratch that itch. Yeah, but they show like a, a real puffy face version of somebody. They didn't like, really get work done. Someone photoshopped it, and yeah. I get sucked every time. Every time. And so, <laughs> like, uh, I, I, that's that's the stuff, I guess. And so, like, uh, it's a very it's a very human thing to have something worth protecting and not protect it, <laughs> even if it was super good. Okay, so I think that's fair enough. Is like once again, uh, maybe that falls in line with uh, how where we ended up on the false teaching. Is uh, um, I, I think you can you look at them as humanity, and then you can actually take the time to uh, have a look at yourself and go. I mean, of all the things that I'm accusing them of, am I doing the exact same thing? Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, I, I think this is true both of, of being able to talk to other people, especially other Christians, about what they got going on, um, uh, uh, as well as being able to, um, you know, have the gospel flow out of you. It has to be flowing in you first. Like you just you got to manage your own house. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Make sure that make sure that you are you're doing the things God had asked you to do, because otherwise, like I've, this is a good way to get burned out, right? If you're not if you're not full of what God has you doing, and you're trying to tell other people about the goodness of God without being full, it's going to come off as phony. People are going to see right through it. Yeah, you're going to end up dry, definitely. Definitely. Interesting. Okay. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that up, Nathaniel, you yeah. and your deafness. I think it's, I'm going to just, just so we have some clarity, I have no, I think people should write books. I feel like the Lord has put within them. It's all, it's already been written. No, though. it's not. So like, here's the thing is that like, it's the same reason why you listen, you could make that same case as why do you even have people teach the word? It's available. Read it for yourself. It's, it's, God is providing uh, people to say the world continues to shift. Like, even if the, like, the word of the Lord doesn't change, but the, the context of the world around it does. And so. But nothing is new under the sun. Uh, well, correct. But sometimes you have to be, like, you have to write that down so people are reminded of such a thing. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. Yeah, how the, would you know that, Nathaniel, unless someone had written it down? <laughs> let's just give up all these new, new, uh, new books. Just read the Desert Fathers. Let's not do that. Let's do it. So, so they, they've already written it. 
so here's the, I'm gonna buy it, and then you guys, somebody, maybe you guys, one of you guys can buy it and read it before me, who will listen to the podcast. Uh, what was the shoot? Now I forgot the guy's name already. Keener, Craig Keener, uh, wrote a book called uh, it was Miracles, and I think it's about modern day miracles, and he's cataloged a ton of like you know verifiable miraculous things happening based upon uh, Christian interaction, praying or whatever. In the last 30 years. In the la- yeah, within the last 30 years. And like things that have been published in medical journals, things like the guys interviewed the doctors. Um, so this is not just a, hey, we want to believe in miracles, so we ask Aunt Betty, and Aunt Betty said her the corn was removed from her foot after she prayed to Jesus. <laughs> That's not this. And it's like he's talking about like healings of, of blindness and, and uh, lameness. There's a lady that was, uh, had MS, and uh, miraculously, like, got control of all of her limbs and uh, went 40 years. She, she actually recently died of COVID, but, like, had, had gone 40 years and, and no signs of MS after the healing. Um, and so I, I guess the, the, the reason I say that is that, like, I needed that reminder. I needed, I needed someone who went through and wrote a book and checked everything out and said, look, God is still working in the exact way he has worked before. What God's promises then remain true and active now and if you if you're not seeing it in your neighborhood let me remind you that it's happening in somebody else's neighborhood god is still doing that and and so you become emboldened uh and and can and greet the world with its questions and its worries or concerns about what the bible teaches uh and that's because uh dr keener spent some time putting some stuff together and wrote a book about it ah crap nathaniel actually i feel the same way let's take a step back and and realize who we're getting this advice on books from an author I, here's the thing, though, Nathaniel. I, <laughs> I feel the exact same way when I read Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. I agree. Right? Like, I, I get know. fired up because for the power of prayer and people getting together and, and inviting the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit wants. And, like, yeah, that book fires me up when I read it. So, and that book has been not written by the Desert Fathers. You've changed my mind. I don't know the phrase Desert Fathers. There's a, a group of monks, like, around 200 AD that would just sit around and, and think about things and Jesus and write write books about it. I would say that if I had to decide whether I would read Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire again or listen to your explanation of those monks verbally, I would choose Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. <laughs> well, like I said earlier, my descriptions are neither good nor always accurate uh, because I am a dum-dum. Uh but yeah, you've changed my. Uh, okay, read my, the books. You've changed my mental thinking. You don't have to. I'm read, gonna read books. You don't have to read all the books. Well, I, that's the problem. See, I get overwhelmed by the sheer amounts because then it's up to me to choose which one. And based on the synopsis on the back, they're all great. And then you get ten pages in and go, yeah. "They lied to me. This book is not great." Hey, man, Here's the thing: is it is it worth it though to read all these books when you can take all all this information in way faster from a podcast? I don't know. Well, I mean, so sometimes you can. Yeah, so actually, because I heard about that uh, that uh, miracles book from listening some uh, to somebody do an interview with him, and so I think that's all right. I think that's all right. someone's going to read the whole thing, but uh, it's all right if you're a podcast man. I think I'm a podcast man. Okay, Mike, are you a <laughs> podcast man? Uh, I listen to podcasts. How about are you an audio book guy? You ever do audio books? No, full books. Nathaniel, I, I tried. It's. Uh... If it's like, uh, what's the right word? Um, dramatized? It's got yeah, dramatized. It's got to have some drama to it. <laughs> I can't just be listening to Siri tell me a book. No, I think they read it too slow. That's why I can't read, listen to audiobooks. It takes too long. Hmm. 
You okay. put on the double speed. Yeah, I like to really. Well, I can't take that in either. One point five. I take my. I, I listen to the. Sometimes I listen to the show at one point five. It's too long. <laughs> it takes me too long to listen to it. I can't get it in the drive, so I got a one point five. I know your pain, you podcast listeners. Mm-hmm. I know what you go through. <laughs> I don't. I'm not cutting the show down. I just refuse because uh, we are what we are. And uh, you don't have, you know, not to hey, be offensive. You promised an announcement of the show changes oh, for this yeah, year. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I didn't say show changes. I said big announcement on the future of the show in 2022. Yeah. Okay, here it is. Ready? Wait. Do we have any music to play in? Mike, give me give me a little something. Like the Son? Yeah, that's right. Okay, ready? Here it is. The big announcement. Live from the Path 2022. Absolutely nothing is changing. Gonna be gonna be steady Eddie. Yeah. What is? Yeah, here's the thing. Everyone is always chasing the new the new good thing. They're gonna get a new logo. They're gonna change the format of the show. They're gonna mix it up so that things are different. Listen uh, here. We we're not going away and we're not changing anything. No. We, we laid these railroad tracks <laughs> in a circle and it's just coming around again. <laughs> yeah. Choo choo. So so if you ever here's the thing. If you ever tune in and there's like a new theme song, like I've they've somehow have killed or fired me. It's, it's not going to happen. I am never changing the opening of the theme unless mm-hmm. we move the show somewhere and I have to get Pants in here to re-record his portion on the Johnston proper spot. What if we were offered like uh, big money and someone said, hey, we're going to need you to change the opening theme? Would that be a deal breaker for you? Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing it. What if they said, oh, we'll pay you enough, you don't have to work anymore. You can make your current salary, but all, all you got to do is come in here once a week and do a podcast. I will not prostitute my principles out for this money. I mean, it's what you do by going to work. That's why they pay you to go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You spend 45 hours a week doing something you don't want to do, and people pay you for it. Uh, okay, I, okay. We'll have to pray on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let the Holy Spirit take that. I don't want my stubbornness to get in the way, but I'm just telling you, like the notion of the program, uh, look, look, we're not going to... It's not. We're not going to change the opening. Uh, we're not going to somehow get this down to like thirty minutes. Mm-mm. That's not happening. Nope. Uh, I'm not likely to start cutting in commercials in the middle. We're not going to. I don't have any intention of looking for any sponsors. I may if they come along. It's not like we wouldn't use them. But like, uh, you, you're not going to see us alter the program to otherwise go and try to do something bigger and better. Uh, it is serving its purpose. I hope it's serving its purpose in your life. It is doing that for us. If that uh, if that grows for whatever reason, I'm totally cool with that. I'll do my best to make your life better. Like if you're listening on an Android platform, um, you may have links. If you look in the body content of the last show that's out there, you have to refresh if you already listened to show the last show of 2021. But like I'm trying to put some bookmarks in there so that you can get to different parts of the show faster because it's a long show. And uh, sometimes you don't have time to listen to it all. Sometimes you don't care, especially our opening, because we ramble on. And you say, look, I love the advice. Take me to the advice. I'm cool with that. And so I'm going to try to make your life a little easier if I can. But uh, anyway, I mean, expect another big announcement in 2023. But for 2022, uh, yeah, we won't. uh, Nothing changes. I'm pretty excited for this year. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. You ready for some advice? Let's do it. Okay. Dear Life from the Path. Yep. Our daughter has been married for three years to a wonderful guy she dated for 10 years and loves dearly. Because she doesn't like his last name, she chose to maintain her maiden name. He understood this soon after they started dating. She's now three months pregnant and facing a dilemma about what to name their child. She's adamant that a hyphenated name is unacceptable. They have tentatively discussed a complete name change for themselves and the child. Her husband was adopted, and she feels there's no reason his surname must be carried on. He's okay with keeping his last name, but would consider a new one if she suggests something he likes. (laughs) <laughs> Feldman, eh? Yeah, Banderas <laughs> The problem is She hasn't been able to come up with one that he likes 
We're concerned this issue will drag on without being settled until our grandchild arrives. We recently offered limited advice, hoping they could work this out between themselves. I believe her husband is entitled to keep his name, and she as well, but I'm against the child carrying only her name. Any suggestions you could provide to help resolve this would be appreciated before our grandchild is born nameless. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with this, this gem right here. This is none of your Hoover business. This mm. has nothing to do with you at all. This is of no consequence to you. Whatever they call the kid is, is irrelevant to you. This is a super interesting problem, Ben. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying, what, like, you can just watch this like, a, like Geraldo, like a television program. <laughs> you turn it on, you sit on the couch and go, I wonder how this mess is going to shake out. Yeah. But, but, you think, but you do that while you eat a cute cucumber and a Kit Kat bar at the same time because you say, this is of no consequence to me. I can turn this off and move on with my life and it will not matter. And so as long as you approach it from that perspective, uh, then I feel like you can continue to engage and uh, watch, the, watch the show. But don't, uh, don't make a deal of it. Yeah, it seems a little overdone to write into a, a late-night podcast uh, about this situation. When in the end, this, this kid, whatever he's called, or she, did it say? No, it did, did not know. say. Well, either way, they're going to call you Granny, and you can, that's, that's it. Yeah. Call them their name and they're going to call you Granny or Mima or, or Mammy or yeah. whatever. I get, I mean, this is a very patient man, right? He ain't going to get married. And, and it's a newer thought where he go, look, I, I, I think your last name's dumb. I don't want to take it. And he goes, well, okay, I guess that's fair. And then a couple, three years later, she goes, not only do I not like your last name, I don't even want you to have it. So <laughs> I, want, I want to change everybody's. And this dude, Johnny Patience, goes, yeah, okay, send some my way. <laughs> we'll see what I think. <laughs> and, it, and he's yet to have one ring his bell. And he goes, ah, no, I'm sticking with the one I got until I hear better. I, mean, so, uh, I think that's prudent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think the guy's been pretty generous so far. Uh, but like, and, and she, because she's made all the qualifications here. I don't like your last name. Qualification number one. Two, I don't want our kid having a hyphenated name. Qualification number two. Uh, I want you to change your last name to something that I like. Here's your options. Qualification number three. Like, everything is coming from her camp about just having a distaste for her last name. Now, if they were going to change the last names, why didn't they do that three years ago when they got married? Yeah, did they not foresee this? Like, hey, we're going to have a trouble. Mr. and Mrs. Non-Biffleman are going to have a problem once there's a kid born. Hmm. I wonder yeah. if his last name really is all that bad. I I mean, do you think it's just something dumb? Or do you think it's like Bin Laden? <laughs> Wait, uh, yeah. Ted Bin Laden. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I don't want... And it's already hyphenated, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Double hyphenate. Yeah, what if her last name is like Baden, and then their kid's name is Tom Bin Laden Baden? <laughs> be really unfortunate. I mean, I can see how this could be a pickle. <laughs> and so... But really, I, I think this dude is being pretty generous with how this has shook out so far. And uh, I mean, if would, would you consider changing your last name if you could pick it, anything you wanted? No hassle, right? Your cards automatically update themselves, and you don't have to go fill out a bunch of paperwork. But right now, you get to change your last name. Would you do it? I mean, not something for so shallow that like, hey, I just don't like it. Like maybe if my, but let's say my dad like murdered someone <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then I wanted to become Bin Laden Baden because it was better. <laughs> I could see that. I could see, but not just like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a Heffelfinger. Like, I mean, okay, like grow up. 
You're a heifer finger. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta live your life. Do you think people with stupid last names actually have a lower quality of life because people are always bringing it up? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, what's the connotation? I don't. I haven't met a heifer finger. Have you? I mean, a- but I mean, look at that. What's that guy's name? Anthony Weiner. You know what I'm saying? He became a politician. I, that's what I'm saying. Successful. It's, I mean, but is it possible that like the the, the Weiner family has more of a struggle than say? The the Bidlan Bonds or you know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say the Wiener family has a struggle unlike the Johnsons. (laughs) And then I thought, well that's 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 not gonna work. Uh yeah, I mean I guess I guess it does there is something about like a complicated last name that makes me feel like you're you got peanut butter on your belly. (laughs) 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 Like I assume Heffelfinger's been playing video games with a peanut jar of peanut butter on his stomach with his stomach out, and then like he got some on himself. Oh. Yeah. If you tell me that your name is like Chuck Heffelfinger, I'm like, Chuck's got peanut butter on himself. And that's not fair for Chuck. I don't even know him, but I'm, the, the last name does provide connotations. When I was uh, in, first engaged, uh, I was engaged when I was in college, so everybody, uh, uh, at least around me, uh, thought it might be wise to give their input that I should take her last name because they thought her last name was cooler than mine. Mm. Even some youth kids that I took on a trip to Branson. They said, look, man. They said, listen, you should take her last name because it sounds way cooler. Yeah. I, I mean, and I kind of hurt my feelings. <laughs> I mean, you didn't create your last name. I know. Your I, parents didn't even have a choice in it. I know. It just gets passed on. It just happens. I, I thought know. I considered it, and then I said, "No way." Is this a is this a Western uh, marriage thing with the last name taken? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's a choice really in other cultures. I don't think you. I don't think there's a. This is up in the air. So in in Iceland, don't they? I I was watching. What was it? The some CrossFit thing, and they have all these people from Iceland, and they still take like their their uh, their father's first name. And then if you're a girl, it's daughter. So like, like your your Emma would be Emma uh, Ben's daughter. So there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of people with a name last name daughter. Yeah, daughter and or or uh, son. And, and so there's Andersons. This is where yeah. all the Andersons are coming right. from. Yeah. yeah, Iceland. There's a guy named Ander. And they yeah. still do this. I think that I because I looked it up and I was like, man, there's a lot of people from Iceland with the same like last name. Are they all related or? What and then uh, it turns out that the, they're like the only country that still do, does this, huh? Interesting. Okay, so our overall advice is, apart from it being a very interesting query, the answer is this is none of your business. Yeah, like I might have I might have more advice for the son or daughter working through it, but for you personally, uh, you, you do not have to do anything. I think the the cards are on the table. It's something they need to work out, and you should be supportive of wherever they land. I want to change everybody's name. Chill out. Oh, come on, woman. Cucumber. We're just trying to pick out a stove here. <laughs> All of a sudden, we got to jettison the whole last name? I'm just saying, with really pressed to it, which what would you take for a last name? You had to change it. Hanks. Hanks? People might think I'm related to Tom Hanks. <laughs> Everybody loves that guy. <laughs> okay. All right. Mike Hanks. Nathaniel? Uh, recently, I was going by the last name. Um, oh. What was it? Uh... uh I can't remember. I want that. to change mine to Witherspoon. Like Wreath Witherspoon? Who? 
Mike Witherspoon. <laughs> I mean, Witherspoon's kind of fun. Yeah. It's like Huxley Berry or something like that. Yeah. What would you change yours to, Ben? Boss. Boss. Yeah. Ben Boss. <laughs> Wait, I take it back. I want to be, be Savage. Nathaniel Savage? Uh, yeah, I knew a guy, and he was a, uh, a teacher in, in high school that I had, and it, his name was Michael Savage, and we all called him Mr. Savage. Because that's Wasn't what you Michael do. Savage a radio show guy? He is. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were of no relation. I'd like to change mine to Macho Man. Yes, that's not. It's, it's two words, man. <laughs> you can't do two words. Uh, you don't Mike, leave the Macho pause. Man? Don't leave the pause in there, Macho Man. <laughs> that's how you'd say it. <laughs> Mike Macho Man. <laughs> uh, singular singular well, sense. Yeah, okay. My suggestion that as helpful as you might wish to be, this is something your daughter and son-in-law must work out by themselves. What's in a name is plenty, and because this dilemma is emotionally loaded, you should stay out of it. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. You should stay out of it. Matroman. Don't even know. I don't even raise your eyebrows. What do you? You don't care what this kid is called. No. Whatever it is, it's going to have to live with it. You might as well be supportive. Plus, you can call him whatever you want. It's his grandma. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Butch. You can call him Sport or Butch Heffelfinger. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hold on. Just close. Think. When I say Butch Heffelfinger, what comes into your mind? What kind of person is it, Mike? It's not good. Finger right in the nose. That's all I see. <laughs> just, just get the word fingers in there. Gold digging. He's right after it. Nathaniel, what does he look like? Uh, Freckles. I'm, I'm going to say he's... Like that catcher from the Sandlot. 5'10", uh, 260. He's got a 260. thick... 260. 260. Yeah, he's a, he's a hefty fella. 5'10". <laughs> he's got some thick, uh, thick curly chest hair that he likes to... Yeah, have pop out of right his, out of the front. Right out the front. <laughs> he, he lets three buttons down just uh, to let it breathe. Uh huh. He's got a gold chain. <laughs> He's balding, of course. He's got an Aquanet that stuff. Okay, yeah. He's business casual. <laughs> now, what if I said. He's like a security guard for a, a big uh, a firm. Yeah. Okay, now what if I said, hey, this is my friend, Stuart Boss? What is he like? He's got a suit on. Yeah, for sure. For no sure. five o'clock shadow. He keeps it tight to the vest. You call him Big Stew or Little Stew? Oh no, he nobody calls. No one would dare call him either one. Nathaniel would. No, <laughs> when he's not looking, at least. What's up, Big Stew? <laughs> oh yeah, he's a Big Stew yeah. for sure. That's what I thought. I'm just so there is something in the name. Uh, I think. What if you ran into a guy named Mike Machoman? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't get it until I saw it spilled out. You'd have. Hey, if you were, if your name was Mike Machoman. <laughs> You'd have to, you'd totally have to hand out the business card right away. <laughs> Someone would look at it and go, "Macho man." <laughs> that would be, is that, that would be awesome. It's the thing that every guy would tell his wife. I met my Macho Man. <laughs> look at this. Yeah, don't you want to be Mrs. Macho Man? <laughs> okay. I take back my last advice. <laughs> you stay out of it, except for to suggest the last name, Machoman. <laughs> I got to get some cards printed up. It's got, Buckleberry. That's yeah. what I was going by recently. That's no Machoman. I remember now. It's Buckleberry. I mean, in certain circles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. We're going to do another You sell one. tea samples. <laughs> yeah, out of a suitcase. I'm Todd Buckleberry. Yeah, no, I, I don't want any. Would you like some tea? No, I said no. <laughs> I've got chamomile. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yep. Sleepy time? Dear, dear, dear life from the path. My significant other is a super nice guy who everyone likes and gets along with until the topics of religion, spirituality, and afterlife come up. Oh, boy. 
Any discussion of these subjects, whether or not it involves him, is injected with his sarcasm, hostility, and sharp criticism. He refuses to be silent during the discussions and ends up intimidating people, which leaves everyone feeling judged and negative. I've tried telling him his attacks are unnecessary, unwelcome, and closed-minded, and naive as the arguments put forth by those who unquestionably follow any set of teachings. His diatribes are long, monotonous, offensive, and always ending with show-me-proof, which is nearly impossible. He considered it, uh, quotes, win, which reinforces his behavior. We've had this discussion several times, and I'm not getting through. I have a strong belief system, but I'll leave everyone has their own process for achieving spirituality. This is why I can accept him as he is, and I'm happy to spar with him in private. How do I convey how inappropriate and disrespectful his behavior is when he hijacks a discussion with his uncalled-for arguments and negativity? Achieves their own spirituality. What does that I mean? That's like saying... It's like saying I achieved windy weather, <laughs> right? You just you got no you got no control of that. I've arrived. <laughs> um, okay, he doesn't sound like a nice guy. No, he it sound- started with he said he's a nice guy, super nice. He do- he doesn't sound nice. Yeah, and also, only- how often are these conversations coming up? Like I'm maybe I'm not. Maybe this is coming back to I'm a dum dum, but I I feel like you know. Unless I'm sitting around with people from church, uh, these topics don't come up very often. You've got to be energized to evangelize, Nathaniel. I know, but even, even, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's talk about your lack of telling other people about Jesus more. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I I I can't tell you the last time I got in like a spiritual argument in public with somebody. Exactly. That's like, what I'm saying. Like, like I never have. It doesn't I, happen. I do. Like people will, like will ask questions and stuff, but like I've not gotten into like a a tussle. Yeah. Show me the proof. You're not William Lane Craig. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, t- he's being a he's being a turd. Like I don't care what he believes. Uh, he's obviously not. It's not working. Like I like it depends on it depends on his belief system, right? If he's a Christian, I would talk to him differently. And I'd say, look, what are you trying to accomplish here, buddy? Do, do, do you sound like Jesus? Like, when was the last time you saw, heard, saw Jesus go, show me the proof? Like, yeah. was that his style of evangelism? <laughs> yeah, when's the last time said, Jesus said, put the, put the lamp on the table and then throw daggers out of it? Right? Like, you're just, you're, you're, you're going about this all wrong. Yeah. So, like, it's not effective. Like, people aren't walking, like, you, you are succeeding in maybe being right or showing people that you're right in your own mind, but that didn't help them walk any closer to Jesus. And so, like, you're losing. You're losing for winning in your own mind. Yeah. And, I, I, yeah, I mean, there's a, it's, it's like someone saying, hey, can you hand me that bat? And the only way you can think to get it to the guy is to crack him over the head with it. <laughs> right? Like, that's, that's, you can't say, like, this is the only method of delivery for the bat or whatever. Like, you are purposely going out of your way to cause confrontation and you're not actually changing anybody to think like you. You're just alienating them and basically insulting them. Yeah. Now it does sound to me like, based upon her description, like the guy sounds Christian. <laughs> um, he's not. He's the opposite. Oh, he's the atheist. Yeah. He's the show me the proof yes. person. Yes. Wait. So that's her description of his spirituality is the non. Yes. This is confusing when people talk about this kind of thing. Yeah. He doesn't have one. He's not. Has he attained that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you don't have to do anything. <laughs> Boy, it seems. Plus, show me the proof is the lamest apologetic ever. Even it, as an atheist? Yeah. Show me the proof. I mean, like, and feel like you won. Yeah, yeah, right, right. It's, it's a child. It's an immature. It's an immature way to go about it. Because someone like, said that to you. What's that? 
you're a registered man of the cloth. Is that how you just go, ugh, that's a dumb way to end this argument. If someone said, show me the proof? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I wouldn't. I probably I wouldn't say that. But like to Nathaniel's point, like if if you so for example, if you're talking about uh, the existence of of God, like you're implicitly talking about something of which you know that you can't grab onto, and so like it's a very immature argument to ignore the implications of God's existence by simply demanding to be presented proof as if God um, does what you tell him to. Well, and, and you and can't. Move. I suppose on the on the lighter side of it, you can't prove that God doesn't exist. Yeah, I can't prove that mayonnaise doesn't actually turn into a brownie three hundred years from now. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mind uh, yeah that's, what, that's what I'm saying. It's like to feel like you've won a conversation after show me the proof. It just seems really doofus. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's very. Uh, it feels like uh, it, when a when a jock leaves college and doesn't have anybody else to impress with his stuff he's that's that's the kind of behavior you're seeing at like 28 show me the proof huh yeah huh take that yeah uh, so now we've ran into questions like this before from a married couple and where someone says look they keep acting this way and no matter how many times i bring it up it doesn't actually change what can i do here are they married yeah yeah i mean i wouldn't i would continue to have the conversation i just wouldn't i wouldn't load it up but i might when it comes up uh, say, uh, it, listen. This it it hurts me when I feel like you you ignore me, and what I've I've asked you about this this causes unnecessary. You're not winning anything. You're not gaining any friends. You're not convincing anybody. But what you're doing is uh, not only are harming relationships, but like as a, as your wife, I've asked you not to do this, mm. and you continue to do that. And I just I need you to know that like I still love you, but it hurts it hurts when it feels like you ignore what I'm saying to you. And that, and that you find that whatever it is you're trying to accomplish more important than what I'm telling you is my reaction to it. And I, I mean, I'd, I'd knock on that door as many times as it's true because yeah. I think it's okay to say it. And yeah. you know what he say? He say, show me the proof yeah. that you're hurt. He'd say, you're ruining the Machoman name. <laughs> <laughs> Legacy of years worth of faithful Machomans. <laughs> uh, okay, Secular says. Machoman. <laughs> How unfortunate. Not to mention rude and obnoxious. That your significant other can't control his impulse to hijack other people's conversations on these subjects. Was he busting into churches every Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, how often does it actually come up? His, his, his craving to be the center of attention appears to be bottomless. I doubt there's anything you can say to him that will transform him into someone capable of civil conversation. If it hasn't already happened, your boyfriend, the boar, will eventually find himself as welcome as a polecat at a picnic. This ultimately may affect your own social life, so be prepared. Wait, it's, but they're not married. Yeah, they are. She said significant other. Oh, well, they could not be married. Okay. So wait, does it change if, it, if they're not married? Uh, do you take firmer action? I think I would. Yeah, I mean, you want a lifetime of this? Yeah, because again, the, the, the point is, be for, as a significant other, the, the, the spouse, it, the point is less to me about whatever the interaction is and that he's being ineffective. It would be that I'd communicated to him that I don't like this uh, and that it's breaking relationships um, and I would prefer that he not talk about it. And because he's not saving orphans by doing it, there's no justification for him to, to continue to pursue this path except for his own personal delight. And what he's telling me is, and he will choose himself over me and things that I've asked him kindly not to do. There's no consequence him not to do. And like, I would want to know that before I married a guy. I mean, even if you take the spirituality, religion part out of it, like, haven't you ever, like, been 
talking to somebody and you're kind of half listening to a conversation going on right next to you and whatever they're explaining, they're explaining it completely wrong. Just, yeah. and you know for a fact it's wrong. There's no, this is not even up for interpretation. They're just flat wrong. Yeah. Like, and you didn't immediately say, excuse me, I have to butt into this conversation and then start grilling everybody about how wrong they were, right? So like his ability to be quiet and not, you know, hijack the entire conversation that's a bigger problem than the way he ha- feels about his agnostic faith. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even if it's just this one thing. Like, I know we talked about last week in one of the advices that, like, hey, if you just got a quirk, you know, it's, sometimes you got to deal with it. But, like, this isn't an innocuous quirk. Like, this is an unnecessary aggression that does impact your relationships outside of you and him. And so I, I think it's all right to, I don't, you don't have to ultimate him out of the gate, but I would, again, continue to communicate to him that you've, um, why you want him to stay out of these types of discussions, how they're not helping, how they're breaking relationships, and they're causing you to feel undervalued. And then if he persists, then uh, that's not a relationship you need to stay in. Okay, mm. you ready one more? Yeah, one more. Dear life from the path. My husband and I have been, they're definitely married. My husband and I have been having the same disagreement for nearly the entire 20 years we've been married. He likes having his family anywhere from two to five people, stay overnight at our house for three to four days every year. Mm -hmm. I am an introvert. I need some alone time, and I'd prefer they stay at a motel. He insists it would be inhospitable, even though we'd still spend 10 or 11 hours a day with them. I do not like waking up to other people, family or not. He grew up in a large family, while I did not. He actually threatened me with divorce. I'm not sure if he was serious or if it was just a scare tactic, but it hurt. If I was going to make him tell his family they can't stay here, I am 58. I haven't worked in eight years and I have no skills. He knows this, so I feel I have no choice but to agree. Tech happened here. <laughs> he says I'm being selfish since it's only once a year. I know I'm lucky. He provides well for us financially and is a wonderful husband, except for this one obstacle. So I know I should just agree. But how do I get over my anxiety about this? Uh, I'm saying you picked every buzzword possible try to explain how this affects you are you anxious about it like actually mentally anxious or are you just an introvert who needs more alone time or is it because you didn't grow up in a big family or is it because you don't contribute financially to the home or is it because he's such a wonderful guy like there's there's way too many uh different pluses or minuses on why this is a bad idea for them to be believable yeah yeah i i agree she's kind of loaded up the deck here i I, I thought she was going to say, like, once a month. Because, like, if you're going to say, look, I need my alone time three to four days out of an entire year, and you're going to go, no, they can't stay here because I need my alone time? Like, I, don't like, I don't like waking up to people in my house. I mean, I mean, they're in your bedroom or <laughs> I mean, like on the floor or whatever. They, they, they invented a door, I mean, not some years ago that you could install and just shut the world out for a while. Yeah, like you wake up at 4 o'clock with the shivers and like they're, they're in the guest room. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. The same apparatus protects you from the outside world. When you don't want the neighbors looking in at your place, you shut the door. And all of a sudden, that's it. Your, your place is now completely secure. So just look at your bedroom as a mini home and shut the door and then make your husband get up and deal with them. Make him coffee or bacon breakfast or whatever. I, I mean, maybe they're a real pain in the teeth and you just don't like these people and you're not willing to she, say so. She didn't so. mention that, though. No, she said nothing about it. Yeah. Now, I mean, I don't like this, uh, on the other side of it, um, I don't like this divorce threatening. It sounds like something that, uh, my guess is that there's some sort of heated argument, and he goes, you know, maybe we shouldn't be together if we can't come to a resolution on something so stupid. 
and then she's like, oh, you threatened me with the divorce. That's not the same thing. And so I, maybe it's something like that. Because like, what, what she described him as like a great husband. Yeah. I mean, if you have the room to put up five people, and let's say that you're, you're, the family that's coming over aren't necessarily dangerous or emotionally toxic or whatever. They're just, they're just family, right? I mean, three to four days doesn't seem to be the end of the world, does it? No, I think you. I think you. I mean, I, it's not a big deal to me on the opposite side. Like if they if they stayed at a hotel, I don't think that's to her point. It's not a significant detriment. But like, I think you're just going to have to. I think you just need to say yes to this thing. And I, how do you how do you cut down the anxiety? I mean, I don't know. First of all, I, th- I think you've got to figure out a way to let go of that you're right in this position. You're not. I think you're not. And so I think you need to get come to the realization that like um, sometimes your feelings betray you. And you are, it's, here's the thing, one of the keys to freedom in life is being able to recognize when you personally are overreacting and saying it. Hey, I'm overreacting. I feel like overreacting. I want to. This feels good to me. This feels righteous, but I know it's not right. Like she, and she almost, I think, kind of said that towards the end there. And so um, I think you need to be okay, uh, come, to, come to terms with the fact that you, like, what you feel is not actually consistent with what your reality should be. And uh, and allow your husband to remind you of that without biting his head off. Don't worry, babe. It's just two or three, just three or four days. It's not a really big deal. Uh, I know you're feeling rough. I mean, whatever. Go to bed early. Like, if you don't want to spend that much time because you're an introvert and you don't want to spend that much time around, because like I get exa- like people exhaust me. I get worn out just hanging out with folk. And so, if you need to take a break, you need to go upstairs and nap. Uh, you gotta gonna go to the grocery store, whatever. There's all kinds of things you can do to get away from these people. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, don't feel like you have to. And this is just in general. When you're having people staying at your place, don't feel like you got to over entertain these folks. Eight o'clock, part ways. Be like, well, you guys know where your bedroom is. We're going to watch TV or something. And we're out. Yeah, I don't I, like. The- there's just no reason to to like. You're not putting on a show for them. They're your family. So be like, look, uh, you guys need to go away. Go away for a little bit. I'm going to my room. You go to your room. We're good here. Yeah. Yeah. Consider this. This might be a bad advice. Great. Let's <laughs> <laughs> way to kick her off. <laughs> But let's say you, you get the, the motel, but instead of sending them there, you go there yourself. You feel like uh, that would rub the husband wrong who believes they're being inhospitable? Is that, what, is that his reasoning? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know what the level of hospitality comes from, right? Like, does it mean like, hey, you get to stay at my place for free, obviously? Yeah. Uh, B, we feed you every meal. C, we truck you around or I don't know. What's hospitable look like? Yeah, three. I think once you're three or four days, I don't. I think you're one meal a day. Yeah, I think proviso one meal, and then uh, they're on their own. Seems reasonable to me. Oh yeah. Unless you're like, I mean, if you're a, uh, if you're the type of person that loves to host people, then it, well, it's not even a question. But if you're the person who doesn't like hosting people, but you want to make sure that you're not being rude, then I would, uh, yeah, I would say you got to do at least one meal a day. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, one meal a day for sure. Yeah, I mean, and let's say the wife's not a big cooker if she hasn't worked in eight years or whatever. She don't have no skills. Uh, I mean, we order out. It's <laughs> a weird thing. To That's say. what I'm saying. Halfway through the argument, she's like, "I'm 58. I haven't worked in eight years. I got no skills." Like she's plotting what it would look like to actually leave this man. So I, I see the weird part is 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 I don't know whether this is just a a, a non Jesus marriage or whatever where people say weird stuff like. He's a super nice guy. Although I think that he might be holding it over my head that I haven't worked in eight years because I got no skills, and so I don't have a choice but to say yes to this. Like a good Christ-following husband doesn't do that crap. 
right? Like he just doesn't have like secretly hold back the fact that you don't work or whatever, and then going to use it to win every argument in the house. Gosh, like what a what a that's a horrible. Marriage. It's got to be super rough to be in a situation where your marriage seems that feeble. Like at any given time, someone's willing to reach for that. Like that, that we don't even have that weapon in my house. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't have a gun that shoots that bullet. Yeah. There's a lot of other things we might fire around, but like there's like we don't even own one that shoots the hey we could get divorced gun or bullet. So like, but to think that someone could reach for that at any given time, and like j- just to like to, to to manipulate a situation or to bully it up or even I don't know maybe it's even true, uh, but it just seems a lot more a lot harder to to navigate. Uh, and and stress like for her to have and feel this way like I would never want to feel like my wife was changing some behavior because she was afraid that I was going to walk away. Like, that's not, that's not a, an encouragement into a good marriage. That's a fear. And, like, that's not, a, that's not healthy. That doesn't build strong bonds. That doesn't create lives of joy, peace, and comfort. Um, and so, like, if I, if I was the husband, I would like to know, like, he should know that his wife feels this way about the way that he's spoken. And uh, he damn well should never say that again. Well, I, that's true, and the husband could be doing a little bit more. Like, like, listen, uh, I, it means a lot to me that these people get to stay here, but I know that it is your least favorite thing in the world. So, what can I do to try to make this easier, right? To make it better for you, right? Like, if you you want to spend more time up in the room, I totally get it. I, I won't say nothing about it. I'll cover for you. Well, you know, I'll make sure I'll take care of the meals and make sure that everybody's got getting to where they're supposed to. None of this is going to fall on you, you know. Yeah, and I think that's reasonable. Like, I think she's being unreasonable, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, people. There's certain parts of parts of a family that will show up and just uh, tend to wreak havoc, even if they're not mean spirited. They just yeah cause a bunch of craziness, you know. And like, I think y- you have to. You brought them over here. <laughs> you gotta take responsibility for them. Yeah, but again, it is like three or four days a year, right? So I mean, it's one percent of the year. All right, let's see what secular says. Okay. Secular says, the most effective way to deal with an anxiety issue is to talk about it with a licensed psychotherapist. Boy, that was like one fifty-second of that of that entire letter that she feels anxiety. Because your husband provides well for you financially, you can afford to consult one. If you do, it may help you learn how to get moments of alone time in which to recharge while the relatives are there. Yeah, I suppose. I really don't know what to say about that. I feel like uh, anytime secular has the option to blame a mental illness instead of some just good old-fashioned tough decisions, should definitely do it. Yeah, I mean, you can talk to somebody, but like at the end of the day, the, the decision is still going to be there. Yeah. It's just I'm how expensive you want to be to talk around it. <laughs> is What's the difference between a therapist and a psychotherapist? I don't know. One sounds like they cost more money. Just one read your palms. I don't know if that's a palm reader. <laughs> no, I think that might be a psychic therapist. <laughs> he read that in the book. Uh, okay, <laughs> thanks for hanging out with Live from the Path. I got two, three things that I want you to walk away from. First, first is uh, the, uh, the the Life from the Path shop has been updated again. Uh, we have the uh, Slap Me and Call Me Diesel uh, shirt from last uh, is it last week's episode, maybe two episodes ago, from the Call Me Diesel episode. Nathaniel's really cranking out the hits. Yeah, he's uh, he's responsible for both Mississippi Don't Push and uh, <laughs> Slap Me and Call Me Diesel. So those shirts are out there in case you want to pick them up. They're flying off the shelves, but that's only because there's a hurricane in Bangladesh. Uh, so you should go out and pick up stuff from the shop. Uh, two, I'm really interested uh, what you would pick as the last name if you could pick any last name. So I want you to give us a call or text on the Life from the Path complaint line. 
The Bob Eisenhower Live from the Path Complaint Line, 515-517-0085. That's 515-517-0085. Call or text the Bob Eisenhower Live from the Path Complaint Line. And I think Bob's looking for, uh, for, for help at, uh, at the Pleasant Hill, Iowa office. What do you mean? He yeah, needs th- a realtor? I think he's hiring. No, I think he's hiring for ad- admin staff. So if you're looking for work uh, and you want to work for old Bob, you uh, just, just, I don't know, just Google Bob Eisenhower. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, uh, give me a call. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll answer. Uh, I'll take the job. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, uh, ring, ring. Uh, Bob Eisenhower Realty. This is Mike Machoman. Hey, uh, Mr. Machoman, I'm interested in your administrative position. I'm just position. kidding. I'm on lunch break. I'll talk to you when I get back. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Machoman? <laughs> Mr. Machoman? Yeah. I'm calling for Bob Eisenhower. Hey, Realty's hot, man. You're too late. You missed it. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for the admin position. I, I would like to answer phones. Oh, no. I took the admin position. Mike Machoman worked there. <laughs> I answered the phones. <laughs> oh, well, thank Maybe let, is there any other uh, jobs available? Uh, I'll have to check the one ads for you when I'm in the John. I'll call you back. Can I have your number? <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't I think so. You, <laughs> Mike Machoman out. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'll call Bob tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be great. Okay. I'll take on a second job. <laughs> uh, and that's it. Uh, thirdly, uh, I don't know what I don't know what the third thing was. <laughs> it, sounded, it sounded good in my mind that I had three different things. Anyway, uh, we plan to be back on the show uh, hopefully next week. And if you got anything for us, shoot up on that complaint line or um, I, 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 you don't need my email address. Anyway, thanks for hanging out with us. We really do appreciate it. Uh, in the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.